is a God of times and seasons. That means years and seasons. And we would remind you that there is a purpose for every season. There is a purpose for every time that God gives to us. There was a purpose for the year 2008. It's gone. There is a plan and a purpose for 2009. And not just a collective purpose either for Sitam or for the church, but for you as an individual. Now what you have to discover is what is God's purpose for me for the year 2009? What does God ha have for me for the year? Is the, is, is the privilege of God to conceal a matter but it's up to you too. He has given man the privilege to discover to discover the plan, the purpose that he has for you for 2009. So yours is to discover. Now, life is God's investment. Since the Bible says that there is, there, there is a purpose for every time and for every season. And so life is God's investment in you. God is the giver of life. He's the one who gave us 2008. It has come and going. Going, going, going. It will be gone. And he is also the giver of your life right now into 2009. So your life is either great or insignificant depending on what you make of the year. Of the time. That God has given you. It is insignificant depending on the focus of your energies, the focus of your involvement in life. Depending on the focus of your engagement, what occupied your mind the whole of last year? What was the foremost thing that you engaged your energies in? The whole of last year. That became your purpose for 2008. Now, we want to find out. You are either making a life or making a living. Now, we have to find out why we make life and why we make a living. There are people who are making a life. Others are Making a living. What is the difference between the two? By God's wisdom, he has chosen the number nine. The number nine. I always try to find out the God's purpose for numericals. And there, 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 is, there is a book, a Jewish book, um, the Talmud. It gives reasons because in Hebrew, the numbers, the letters and the numbers are the same, but they have meaning. God inspired meaning into numbers. And so that's, whenever we get to a year, whenever we get to a time, I spend time finding out what does this number mean 
to God the creator. And the number nine is the number of the gestation of the human being. You are in the womb for nine months unless you are born prematurely. That is God's number for the incubation of life in human beings. Ladies are pregnant for how long? Nine months. Why nine months? The creator knows about all that. Why he gave you nine months. An elephant incubates for how many months? Two years. <laughs> Two years. That God, in his own wisdom, because you are created in the image of God. And in nine months, God creates a human being in the womb. So after by nine months comes the bathing, the delivery of a new life, of life on earth. And for those who delight in, in studying numerology, let me, let me give you the Hebrew numericals. As I said, every human, every Hebrew numerical or numbers means some, or alphabet rather, has a meaning. And so I quote from the rabbinic commentary. Rabbinic commentary says this, that number nine, or tet, tet, tet is the, is the Hebrew pronunciation, alludes to mud. The physical matter from which man's body was created and to which he will return. The making of a life out of mud. The Bible says that God created man out of mud, the dust of the, of the earth. And God uses that to create human life. Life that you have. The life that you have came from the earth, will return to the earth, and God takes the soul because he breathed into man then the breath of life. That comes from God. The breath of life. And as God breathed himself, his image, into man, man became a living creature. And that living creature is permanent. That living creature is permanent, non-destructible. Because his spirit, okay, the earth will return to the earth. The mud will return to the, to the earth. The mud that takes nine months to form will return to the earth. The spirit returns to God who made it. And so the human spirit that takes on the nature of God, the image of God is indestructible. And that's why I told you in Christmas, God had... Had, had quite a challenge. How can he destroy life? Uh, he could have chosen to destroy all life and begin afresh. But he, he had a dilemma. He had made man in his image. And his image is to last forever and forever. So what did he do? Jesus comes to rescue that image. And the image that is not rescued still continues to live forever and forever either in heaven or in, in torment. 
That's why when people say, how can a loving God allow his, his own creation to burn forever and forever? How can that be? Because hey, once he created you in his image, you are indestructible. Just like God cannot be destroyed. You cannot be annihilated. And so, you are either going to live, as Jesus said, with God forever and forever, or in hell forever and forever. Now, those who only come to church once in a year, get that message straight. Get it straight without apology. That if you don't have life in Jesus... Your place is in the lake of fire forever and forever. Because that's how God created you. And he took a risk. And that's why Jesus came. You don't have to take Jesus lightly. And so we see to make a life is to see life as an investment. I said some people are making a life or making a living all right now let's let's look at the two who is making a life and who is making a living and from there we can move on to know that when a child is in the womb you are making a life amen so you are either making a life ladies you are either making a life or Making a living, surviving, just aching a living. So to make a life is to see your life as an investment. It is to see the potential of what you are carrying in your belly. Ladies get that faster than the men. They seem to be agreeing faster than the men. They seem to understand it more clearer than the men. Making a life is to see the potential of what you are carrying in your belly. To make a life is to be productive. Not barren. Is to, is to bubble with life. Is to see, is to create, or to recreate. It's to work, is to labor, to be in labor. To labor, to recreate, because as you make a life, you're recreating with God. You are working with a life so as to impact your society in a positive way. You're bringing into the world something that was not there before. Are we there? You're, you're recreating something that has never been there before. That is making a life. So as to leave this planet Earth with something that has never been there before. Are we together in the balcony? 
right at the end, those standing and those seated there, I don't want you to be like Eutychus. So make sure you are steady where you are seated and where you are standing. We don't want people falling or else we shall start praying for the miracle of healing again. To make a life is to positively influence the world with something that you brought into being. Not anybody else. You as an individual. Whether you are a man or a woman, it is irrespective of gender to influence the world positively by your contribution, by your creation. It is purposeful living. Purposeful living with a purpose of what you want to see in the world. What you want to see improved what you want to see done in the world. A woman who is pregnant is making a life. Right. And some of us, most of us, come into the world with a lot of expectations. With a lot of plans. Pregnant with ideas. Pregnant with dreams. But they never see the light of day. What is the difference? You know, we went to Turukana. I'm now popular, very popular in Turukana. We went to Turukana and we saw some ladies pregnant. Very pregnant. And there, there is no cover for the forthcoming baby. The stomach and the cases are left open. And so you can, you can definitely see that the woman is a very expectant. But the, the lady who was taking us around told us that she is sick. She's sick. They, there, is, there are some worms that are brought about by dogs. I don't know what they were, but she was pregnant with worms. Worms. She thought she was carrying a baby. They, 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 they discovered it's not a baby. It was those, I don't know where we have nurses here, those worms that are brought about by dogs, interaction with dogs and animals. So she was very pregnant with worms. Now, what, what, what am I saying? There are people who have been pregnant with ideas, with plans, with dreams, only to, to, to come out as nothing, no baby, no life. Now, I, I don't want to go to others. On the other hand, you can make a living If you, are not, if, if you are not productive, if you are barren, all you're doing is you're making a living. You make a living. 
To make a living is to make sure that you exist. To make a living has been described as hand-to-mouth existence or survival. You just make sure the body and soul are kept together. As such people who are making a living, how are you doing or surviving? How are you surviving? They are survivors. And living is more than breathing in and breathing out. Most people exist because they are survivors. You are a survivor from this year's land clashes. You are a survivor. You are a survivor of 2008. That's why you now want to survive in 2009. Times are hard, so we just survive. Living from hand to mouth. Trying to keep body and soul together. You earn, but all you are doing, all that the money is doing, is helping you to survive. To ache a living. To just keep on from year to year. Oh, thank God this year has come and ended. We look forward to next year. Next year comes 2009. You are just a survivor. No new life. No. Just existing. And say we thank God we survived. We survived the, the death angel. We survived the clashes. We survived the economic collapse. So we are, we are survivors of 2008. <laughs> what a way of existence. Just surviving. I want to remind you at the close of 2008 and tonight that you are alive this day because God wants to bath in you. In the year 2009, the year of bathing, all that you've been incubating, all that you've been dreaming, is the year of new birth. You're going to bath a baby. It only comes after nine. The number nine. The year of life. We want to inject life into 2009. And stop aching a living. Or stop surviving. Have a plan and purpose for what you want birthed for you in the year 2009. His plans, his purpose, his agenda... For the year 2009, for you as an individual, what is it that you're going to contribute into life as God invests life into you? You know, God is faithful. He gives us life. Have you asked yourself, why am I here this year? I'm sure we are all going to cross into next year. So there will be no accident between, between the remaining 15 minutes, 45 minutes. 
You are in the right place. You are protected. So all of us, in the remaining 45 minutes, we shall cross over. At least we shall see the 2009, the year of, of the new birth. The, the Bible says the children of this world are wiser than the children of God. Than the people of God. When they want to project into the future, they use trend analysis. In other words, they use historical data to project into today and into the future the possibilities of what could happen. And God has given us history to plot and learn what he's up to for you and for me in the future or even in the next year. Analysis of economies project the trends, the current trends, the past historical trends, the current trends, and the future trends to tell you. In fact, investors, there's people who, who, who keep your money in shares. They, that's how they, the cleverer ones project which companies are going to do well and keep their money there and make your money as you lose your money. That's what they do. They become rich as you become. Why? Because they are using historical data to help them project the future. And with some certainty, they are making money as you become poorer. Now, all things being equal, of course. You know, those projections they put on all things remaining equal. Because God can intervene in all these man's projections. Cast his he puts his trust in man. So we have to look to God to help us project the future correctly. Because we are the people of faith. And faith compared with man's wisdom, the Bible says he has made man's wisdom of no consequence because of his wisdom god's wisdom and man's wisdom god's wisdom is wiser than man's god's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom that's right so history feeds into today to help us plan effectively for the future and the children of god must be very clear what god says in his word what is there for me for 2009 what ought I to look at or look to so historical assessment enables us to reflect to the future what our forefathers did what need to be dropped and what needs to be improved upon and what needs to be inherited or carried over now civilization has come this far. It comes and gone. Don't think you're the, the first and the last to live on this planet Earth. There are many people, millions, who have come and civilizations have come and gone. But we have built the current technologies 
have been built on the historical inheritance that we have inherited as man civilization came and went they left some things that need to be dropped historical obsoletes and historical inheritance that has brought us this far where we are and innovation is helping populations and people to come up with new symbols new ideas new technologies new mindsets to replace those his to replace those that history has rendered obsolete obsolete history has some things that need to be carried on it has some things that need to be dropped it has some things that need to be inherited others improved on and it's the same thing as god told the people of his um, israel now we go back to our text history teaches us things to discard thing or abandon or reject as i said and things to uphold and things to observe and so as we read in joshua chapter 4 and verse 5 to 8 these were things that were to be passed on information that was to be passed on memorial stones memorial stones were landmarks that were to be a memorial stone for the forthcoming generation for the generations that would come after to learn the ways of god what god had done and what god would do so we need as we close this year 2008 to have some memorial stones and leave some landmarks leave testimonials that when your children ask in time to come what do these things mean what do these stones mean we shall be able to say to them or those who will be there that we narrate god's goodness god's mercies that our our your forefathers were slaves in egypt and god rescued them with a mighty arm with signs and wonders these were things that were to be narrated of what god had done now unless you have a testimony unless you have a a testimony of what god has done for you a miracle that god has performed in your life when the children ask why do we need to go to church you'll have nothing to tell them they were to have these historical monuments to remind that the the future generations of the work of god in their lives of what god had done you shall that's why in the bible especially in deuteronomy as moses was closing the chapter and joshua was taking over he called them to remembrance you shall remember that you are slaves in the land of egypt and god took you from there you shall remember that you are slaves to satan we all served our fleshly desires 
And God rescued us and translated us into the kingdom of his glorious son. All of us, if you are born again, you shall remember that God rescued you. That God saved you from going down the drain. If it wasn't for his mercies, none of us would be here. Including the preacher himself. If it wasn't for God's mercy, who rescued me, I would not be here. You shall remember and tell it to your children and to your grandchildren. You shall remember that it was the Lord who delivered you from the bondage by signs and wonders. He would remind them, you shall remember that it is God who drowned the chariots of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. You shall Remember that it's God who provided you with manna in the wilderness for all those 40 years. Your shoes and your clothes never wore out. And he fed you throughout that. Now, we talk about inflation. We talk about recession. You shall remember that it's God who rescued us this year and took us throughout the whole of 2008. You shall remember that it was God who rescued this nation from collapse during the, the election period. You shall remember that God rescued you and that you are not dead today. What testimony will you leave behind for the future generations? What testimony will you leave to your children and to your children's children. When they are told about their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, what testimony are you leaving behind? In other words, even legacy. What legacy are we leaving behind? Or are we aching a living? You know, when you ache a living, there is very little left to make a life. Very little is left because you are concerned about what we shall eat, what we shall dress, <laughs> what we shall have today. But God wa wants us this day as we reflect on the coming year what life we are going to leave behind. What are you investing this life? This breathing that God has given to you. The health and the life that you have. What impact is it having on the nation? All of us. And in fact, just this group here. If we decided to transform Kenya, Kenya will be transformed. By where you work only. You begin with where you are. You know, when I used to work where you are, you know, and, and, and I would witness here and there, you know, people would say, you know, you need to be a, a, a pastor. In fact, the nicknamed, I was nicknamed bishop in high school. I was nicknamed pastor in college. 
I was nicknamed all other. So when I was in, in secular employment, the, the, the nickname went on. When I became a pastor, they were telling me that you, you see, as a pastor, it's easier for you to be a Christian. It's easier for you to be a Christian. As why? I'm as flesh as you are. We undergo the same, the same testings as we are. It's not easy for anybody. Where you are, where we are, life is the same. There is no segment, easier life for pastors and another harder life for you in employment elsewhere. God has given us the same life, same challenges, same struggles. And we have to be determined that we are going to live for the kingdom of God. Now, to make a life, to make a life means that you are determined to leave a legacy behind you. That you are going to leave something that has never been there before. Something that is making a life. Women produce children that have never existed before. Even if you took their fingerprint with the dead, the finger, fingerprints of the dead, there, there is no trans, transmigration, or what, what do they call it? Of, 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 of the dead into the living now. Completely new and different. Never been there before. What legacy are we leaving? Now let me remind you, in Genesis 26, verse 18, if we could learn from history. Genesis 26, verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abram, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abram. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Now, here are wells. Well, I want to remind you that dig some wells so that when your children grow up, they will not have to travel miles to fetch some water to drink. Abraham dug some wells that were of use to his children and to his children's children and the wells were still producing water. Dig some wells that will outlive you. You know, we found our, our forefathers and mothers fetching water from a certain river we go to the river every because we found it there. This is the, the, the paradox of the African. Because we, we go, found a river and that's where we fetch water. That's where our parents fetched water and that's where we fetch water. Until the river dries. And our children don't have a place to fetch water. And we start campaigning for afforestation because we have destroyed the environment that produces water and we start now looking left and right where are we going to get water from 
let's start in the new year the year of birth let's birth things that will outlive outlast you things that have never existed before let's bring them into being things that will be of help to generations to come look at jacob's well jacob's well still providing water by the time jesus came 1007 years after i'm talking about jacob's well where where jesus met the samaritan woman when was that well dug 1700 years before jesus came on the scene and jesus takes a drink from the labors from the investment of jacob can you imagine and and the bible clearly says that that was jacob's well as the samaritan came he says our forefathers drank from this well we inherited it from jacob 1700 years ago the well is still giving water living water to people and jesus drinks of it what in kenya can you say you inherited and is still providing life up to today how far back can you go how far back can you can you trace your inheritance maybe our history is is, is a history of uh, temporariness somebody said that we even don't know repair the word repair because even our our sharks are temporary we put a we put a kamasai shanti and when you're on the move you raise it down and you're on the move and so you don't you, we don't have something called repair we don't have something called permanence it's just calm what we found is what we practice and is what we live can we in 2009 determine that you are going to bat something that will be of benefit to you and to the future generation something that will outlast outlive you something that is permanent for the future generation let's forget this temporary nature aching a living year to year the same things the same roads the same potholes the same the same same source of water until now the population of nairobi is so much the can we do something please and you can because i'm preaching to people of influence wherever you are now the reason is the reason that we don't see such progress we are so selfish we just want to make a living what benefits us now for tomorrow we die if it doesn't benefit me now it's not good for the future and so we become you ask for jacob's wells they are nowhere you ask for abraham's wells they are nowhere what have been people what have people been doing all these years after independence the countries that got independence with us in Singapore and all that, they are so developed. 
what has been the hindrance now we can blame it on government we can blame it on other people but you what have you done each one of us the bible says god has given each one of us a talent and hope fm is saying we are all stars where does your star shine if we are old stars we would see some jacobs well still giving life that that you find in john chapter 4 verse 6 about the the, the woman at the well that was jacobs well you know and i was so surprised to see that it had been dug 1007 years ago before jesus appeared on the scene it was still giving life and if you go to israel it is still there you can go to a place called jacob's well now in the in the in the it's is it's a bit in the occupied territory and in 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 israel but tourists can take you there you can still see some of the relics after what we've been through as kenyans history tells us that we need to reject tribal bigotry the experience of this 2008 needs to remind us constantly that this tribal bigotry need to be a thing an obsolete thing of history is a thing that we don't need to see it repeat itself again is a thing that we don't we don't want to see it rear its ugly head again who brings it you and me telling our children oh that one is alua jaluo that one is a okuyu that one is what that one is who? who brings it you and me history will remind us that if we want to live not just eka living not just survive not be survivors of clashes you know every every they tell me that every election year is a a, a, a year of election survivors you either survive into parliament or you survive into life so we have clashes every election year why because of tribal bigotry do you know it's just accidental that you found yourself in the tribe that you are in you never asked for it and so why should it bother you now we should that history should tell us and remind us and be act in every Kenyan that tribal bigotry should be the thing of the past. No more clashes. No more regarding people by where they come from. By what tribe they belong to. What class they belong to. History tells us that the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That let's not underestimate the wickedness of man. When you see what they did, you wonder whether they were beasts or men of flesh and blood. But history would tell us as God word, 
God, God's word says that the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. He needs transformation from the inner man for him to live and make a, a life. Not just survive. For him to live and make a life, he needs inside transformation to start new life. New life. The Bible says that those that are in Christ are new creatures. You need to start new life in order to give birth to life. A new life. That's why we need to preach salvation. We need to bring forth into the world spiritual babies that are transformed by the inner man, by the spirit of God, so that they can bring new life into existence. Needs a new heart. We need a new heart, a new life. History would tell us to number our days. History would tell you that you may be alive this year. We can live here this morning, all of us alive. In the next minute, we'll start losing one after the other. What does that tell us? History is full of people who came, had prospects, had plans for the year, had New Year resolutions, but never lived to see the year. Why? Because God is a God of seasons, times and season. They are in his hands. You can't determine, but you plan. The Bible doesn't leave planning to, to chance. We plan for the future. We plan to leave a legacy. We plan to impact the world and live as though we are going to live a hundred years. And yet, Submit ourselves to God who rules in our lives. Last year, although we didn't have all night of prayer, we all started the year together. We didn't know that God would take some of us as he's going to. I can tell you with a hundred percent surety, certainty, that come the end of the year, we shall not all be here. We started with a very good friend of mine, Dambokos. Very healthy, vibrant with life, with plans. The year went with them. They never expected. We never imagined. History would remind all of us, number your days. Let's not take life for granted. Let's remember that life is lent to us by God. And to God, when the appointment comes, he takes us. Now then it behooves us to be ready. For you do not know the day nor the hour. All of us must be ready. Because that is the appointment of man. Whether you like it or not, it will come. Only that we don't know whose appointment is next. We don't know whose appointment is next. That's why the Bible cautions us. Be ready. 
Let's be ready anytime, any moment. It could be our appointment has come. And when you, are, you have a life, the abundant life that Jesus came to give, you don't have to worry. You can say like Paul, whether present or absent, I know I'm in the Lord. Whether present or absent, I'm clear. I have a life. I make a life. The life that I live, I live by faith in Jesus. And it's a life that can never be destroyed by death. And so, as we face the new year, 2009, while we shall have all the incubations come to term, nine months, nine, the year of bathing, the year of new things, new beginnings, the year of creativity of man with God. We need to remember that the times and seasons are belong, belong to God and be ready when he calls us home. That is history to remind us that, that we don't play with life. We make life, delight in life, Jesus said, I came to give them life and let them have it more abundantly. Not aching, not surviving, not just living from year to year. As the year comes and goes, nothing happens to us. History tells us to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Imitate. Look at the history of those who have gone on before you. Look at how they lived. And St. Paul says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Those are the people that are role models. Models to show us how to live. Models to show us to shun evil and live right. That right always pays. Wherever you go, right will always pay. And evil is always destructive. And so as we pass on a legacy, some of us are passing on destructive legacy. Others are passing on life-giving legacy. Some of us are passing on viruses. To next generation. Viruses of anger, viruses of, of hatred, viruses of tribalism, viruses that are destructive to life. God would have us know that this year is the year of making life. Enhancing those things that bring about life. Helping God in recreating Things that have been passed on to us. Things that will be of help to the next generation. Not just us. Let's look to the next generation. What will they find? Will they be proud to say that somebody has been here before? Somebody has taken my interests into account before us. Now be of use now for tomorrow's sake. Be productive now for tomorrow's sake. Be of use now 
in this year of birthing, as you become pregnant with God-given vision and purpose for 2009, leave the altars. Some, some, some years back, I preached on the, on the sermon making, um, pitching altars, pitching tents, and building altars. The things that will outlast are things that would are pleasing to God. But these days, we are building, it was a sermon on priorities of life. Abraham pitched his tent where he would live and built altars. Today is the reverse. People are building houses and pitching tents to worship God. Alright? And I read it in the newspaper not long ago. Being criticized for spending so much money building churches. And the, the criteria is given to us in Zechariah. He castigated his people of the time that you live in paneled houses. And the house of God is in shambles. Now, building churches, spending money in, in building churches, where for where your, your money is, there your heart is also. Now, it's also cultural that your house becomes the determining factor of how God's house should look like. Alright? Your house becomes the determining factor of how God's house should look like. I think people who wrote that article need to go back to the history to find out why did God permit the Israelites to start building the temple? Why did God demand a temple? Why does God demand a building for his for his habitation. The reason is, God will come to live in a house in Jerusalem. And God will not live in a house that is a tent when you are living in a house of marble. Are you getting it? I'm veering off because people have, have replaced God by saying that God does not need these elaborate houses. God does not need to be built houses. He does not dwell in houses. That is true. But the attitude shows where your heart is. Because when Jesus comes back to reign and rule for a thousand years, he will live in a house. And what type of house will he live in? You are Lord and King. Would you delight to live in a house made of marble and most expensive things and your Lord, your king, lives in a, a ramshackle type of thing? In a shanty? That is the background to building God a house. That is the background to which God tests our faith, our, our trust, our hearts for where our money is there our heart is also. And so we, I don't apologize for giving God all the best that I have in terms of money, in terms of structures. Because I know Jesus will come and live 
in his state house in Jerusalem. He will reign from there for a thousand years. And so, but we have reversed the issue. We are not building altars. We are, we are, we are build, making tents for altars of God and building paneled houses. Now, God is the one who desires to receive the best. We are saying, leave some altars. Leave some altars so that when the future generations ask, what do these houses mean? <laughs> They'll be told, your forefathers worshipped God. And this was the house they built for their God and worshipped in this house. Why aren't we doing the same? We have forsaken God. They will get some history. They will get something. something. This is the time to build altars for the Lord our God that will outlive us, that will outlive you. It's time to make a life as we build the altars for God. What are we passing on for the next generation? Every Christian is called to make a life. Alright? Every Christian, male and female, you are called to make a life. Because our Savior brought life. I, he gives life and he wants us to give life in return. He is expected to see a life investment. You invest your life in lives. You invest your life that God has given you in productivity. Be productive. Don't be barren. We have barren Christians who ache a living. And not make life. We are to make life. To a Christian. Exploring the purpose of God. Is part of making life. What does God intend you to have. For next year. What plans do you have. What are you dreaming. What are you incubating. What, what is in your womb. To be birthed. And. Let me say this. When Satan sees your dream, when Satan sees that child in you, that creativity in you, he would want to destroy it. So what do you do? You must keep very close to the giver of life. Let me read you in Revelation, the book of Revelation. Let, let's turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And I will read in closing before we welcome the new year. That we are going to bath our dreams, bath our, our ideas and our plans. Make sure that you, this year is the new or the year of bathing. Ninth month. You should be ready to give birth. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with the child, she cried out in labor. What month? When do women cry out in labor? The ninth month. She cried out in labor pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. 
His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. I can assure you that the devil is ready to devour that which is ready to be born in your, in your, in your, in your, in your, in your womb. That which you have planned, that which you have dreamed, the devil is ready to devour it. And you must protect it by God's power. The God who gives power to beget life, to birth life into being, is going to protect you as you look to him. The Bible says the child, as soon as it was born, is what was caught up in heaven and the woman was hidden. God is going to hide you. God is going to hide you as he plans new birth, as he plans you to birth out this dream, this, this plans, this creativity that he has given you. Be sure that he's going to protect it and he's going to receive that glory. Amen. Can we know that this year, the ninth year, the nine, the year of full time, the year of birthing, let it be birthed in you. A new birth is coming. A new, a new creativity is coming. And something that has never been before, God is birthing it in you and let it be released. Let the discouragement of 2008 be history, be obsolete history, never to be remembered again. But let this year, you say, God, this is my year of a new birth. This is my year of life. An abundant life. Not just aching a living. I'll not just jump from year to year. I'll not just come for every Kesha, every 31st of the year. I'll not just be a number in the new year. No! <laughs> Determine. Determine. Your life is not enriched by what it receives in life, but by what it gives. By what you're going to give. By what you're going to see. By what you're going to birth. And I challenge you, please. Let's not go into the new year aching a living.